the Reds were swept by the Yankees, yes, but it is not all doom and gloom, as there is one massive point of optimism that you cannot overlook. We'll tell you what that is on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all podcasting platforms. And we are also your team every day. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside our other host over there, Jeff Carr, and we are diehard baseball fans. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. We have taken our love of the game and our passion for baseball, and we have turned that passion into information for you. We want to thank all of those of you who listen every day. If you are an everydayer, let us know in the comment section or hit us up on Twitter. We love hearing from you. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the efforts of the pitching staff and how they've really been better than we've thought or been led to believe or or what we suspected from them. Anyway, they're pitching pretty good and we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're also going to ask a pretty difficult question and that is whether or not it's time for both David Bell and Nick Crawl to begin to feel a little heat with the way that this team has performed. We're also going to check in with Steven Stacy, the co-hosts of Locked on Yankees, to get their thoughts on this series that just wrapped up out at Great American Ballpark. And Jeff, I think a good place to start is with that pitching staff that I was talking about because these pitchers, they are improving. Listen, while you were away playing with your Chicago dogs and whatever else you were doing out there in the Windy City, uh, you know, I did a show by myself where I said that the Reds starting Ben Lively pretty much equal them giving a game away for free <laughs> just to benefit the Yankees fans that have bought tickets and come to the ballpark. Apparently, Ben Lively was listening because you know what he did while you were gone, Jeff? Five and two-thirds innings pitched, two hits, two earned runs, eight strikeouts, one walk in his first start since, you know, the mid-2010s. He was impressive, and really that was kind of a theme for me this entire weekend. And, and yes, Steve, I was up there. And by the way, criminally underrated – uh, guaranteed rate, I almost called it Comiskey Park, uh, guaranteed rate field there in Chicago for the White Sox. Dave, and we'll have to talk about that later on this week. That was a great trip. But, yeah, I got the chance to watch Ben Lively start. I was watching some other starts for the Reds. As You know, it's a little bit easier to watch MLB TV when you're out of Cincinnati. Uh, I don't understand that, but we've talked about that ad nauseum. But Ben Lively was phenomenal. Luke Weaver, pretty solid start for him as well. And Hunter Green, who we'll get into in detail as we go on throughout this show, just overall for me, the starting pitching was huge. And yes, I, th I think everybody was expecting us to get on here and just yell and scream and spit and go crazy about the fact that the Reds got swept by the Yankees. Guess what, guys? Like, I, I hate to admit this, but it's kind of supposed to happen, right? Like, this wasn't the year that we were going to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. With the Yankees. This wasn't the year that the Reds were going to get all up in arms. And yes, they really sold out for the marketing on this series. They really tried hard and they did a pretty good job. The seats look pretty full, but on the other end of that, you can't get mad about the wins and losses for this team right now. You got to look at the bigger picture. Who's improving? What's going right? And are the big three taking a step forward? And I really think that we have seen some good signs from the starting pitch which is not something that we've been able to say here recently. 
No, and we talk about the big three, and you know, obviously, Nicoladolos going to be out for probably a month more. Uh, Hunter Green has had his moments, but he's also had moments that haven't looked great. And, and as you say, we're going to break down his performance a little bit more with the guys from Locked On Yankees coming up here in a little bit. But he looked better, and then Weaver looked pretty good both of his last two outings, yeah. and and that's the difference maker, Jeff. When you get performances like we got from Weaver, like we got from Lively. Those are the games the Reds have to win because those are the unexpected ones. Those are the starts that you're not necessarily counting on getting from those guys every time they come out. So when they do come out and give you a start like that, you need the offense to be consistent. You need the offense to score runs. And what all of our starting pitchers have in common right now is they're not getting run support. I don't know if you heard this stat thrown out by Barry Larkin, who was uh, a guest uh, commentator on the Peacock broadcast on to, on Sunday's game. But Larkin said that in hunt nine out of nine Hunter Green starts, six of those starts, he got one run or less in run support. And, and I, I, you know, and you and I both tried to confirm that, but I believe it. It, it passes the eye test anyway. That seems right. That kind of seems how things go. He gets no run support late in the game. He makes a mistake. And then he's pulled and, you know, we're waiting for the offense to try and come alive and bail him out when really his numbers aren't that bad. Same goes for the last start out of Weaver. Same goes for this start from Ben Lively. I, I mean, all as they had to do was score two or three runs and he would have left after five and two thirds with a lead. Yeah. And, and you're talking about some performances that they really, really needed to score. And that's kind of where we look at this and we say, yes, the positives have been the starting pitching. The worrisome part is the lineup because the lineup has begun to show more consistent warts uh, than it was early on in the season where they were consistently grinding, consistently battling Th this Yankee series. They were really shut down and especially by that Yankees bullpen. And speaking of bullpen, Steve, let's get back to the Reds pitching on this because th there still have been some good performances out of the bullpen, which we'll get to in just a moment. But the thing for me is that we saw in these first two games and yeah, a couple of them were by pitchers who we're really not expecting like, look, okay, let, let's be honest. When we saw over the transaction wire in spring training that the Reds had signed to minor league deals, Silvino Bracco and Alan Businitz, we all said if these guys play significant innings for the Reds, we are doomed. Sorry, that's just kind of how it is. And guess what? They had to pitch significant innings against the New York Yankees. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, that's, that's what's going to happen. So I, I, I hated to see that, but this bullpen is just so tired of pitching as much as they have to start this season that the wear and tear, I mean, we see Derek Law go on the IL. Um, we, we've got Casey Legumina on the IL. There's so many different guys that are starting to have these little bumps and bruises and, and different things that send them down for a couple of we weeks, you know, so that they can rest and come back healthy. That Now we're having to pitch the Businitzes and the Brachos and all that different stuff, and that's really going to just absolutely tighten up the gap that this team has with any other team they play. Absolutely. Listen, the fact of the matter is, I think that 
it shocked nobody except maybe David Bell and Nick Crawl that you can't just call up whoever happens to be standing <laughs> around in Louisville and put them in a major league baseball game and think they're going to get guys out. They're yeah. not. You know, Bracho's ERA is 8.10. Uh, Bootsnitz is nine. You can't put those guys out there. But there are four guys in the Reds bullpen right now, Jeff, that are pitching really well. Yes. And that's Alex Young. And, and I know we don't like to use ERA a lot, but with the relievers right now, it, it's just where I chose to go. Alex Young, 2.70 ERA. Buck Farmer sits at 3.22. Your guy, Alexis Diaz, 2.12. And listen to this. Herget, after his latest outing, is at 1.84. Those guys are doing it. Those are four guys that are reliable right now. Add into that Sims and Ian Jabot, who have struggled of late, but still are below four. Sims ERA right now is 3.55 after a couple bad outings, and Ian Jabot after a bad outing still sits at 3.80. That's a great core if they stop overusing them. If, yeah. they, if they stop overusing them, that, that bullpen can get you somewhere. Uh, but I'm not confident right now, and we're going to talk about this in a little while with uh, David Bell and Nick Crawl. I'm not confident that they are going to stop overusing them. Yeah, and that's something I, I definitely want to get into that conversation. The Ian Jabot bit from Saturday, just I, it, it's it's a rock that's been stuck in my shoe all weekend, Steve, as I've been walking around the Windy City, and we got to talk about that. That's going to be uh, coming up here in a moment. But I, I look at this series, and I know that they just lost three games at home to the Yankees, but the pitching has been better than it's getting credit for, and it's not been helped by this lineup and, and a little bit of inconsistency from the defense as well. And I think that we need to shout out and, and really focus in on the wins, the, the individual performance wins, not the actual wins and losses, <clears throat> but the, the performances that we've seen from these guys. But you know what, Steve? Is it time for David Bell and Nick Crawl to start feeling some heat? We'll tell you coming up next. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors for today's podcast, and that is eBay Motors. You know, for championship teams, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And we're going to get into whether or not the Reds have put their championship team together for the future. Uh, but eBay Motors can help you get your vehicle with the perfect fit every single time because your vehicle is no different from a championship team. Every part needs to be perfect and fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, get the right fit, and get the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit only available to us customers, eligible items, only exclusions apply. Coming up tonight, the reds have the hated Cardinals in town with the first pitch at 6 40 PM. Eastern time. Brandon Williamson is going to get his second start of his career. Gonna face Jordan Montgomery and hopefully beat the crap out of the stupid Cardinals. You can catch every pitch of the reds hometown broadcast on Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Reds. And by the way, thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. What do the Reds make of this stupid Cardinals team that 
for some reason is stupid hot right now, Steve, and it's just stupid to me. But you know what? Hey, shout out. Speaking of everydayers, by the way, while I was in Chicago, I went to a local uh, watering hole up there, and somebody saw my locked on hat and said, Locked on Reds? And I'm like, Chicago guy asking about the Reds? Hey, that's great. So uh, shout out. Hey, we yeah. have nationwide reach. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. From sea to shining sea, Jeffrey. <laughs> absolutely. But you know what, Steve? Um, look, is David Bell the guy? And, and I'm not talking about should he be fired this year. I'm not talking about should he be let go for wins and losses that the currently constructed team, and we'll get into that in a minute, uh, is, is providing for him because I'm starting to see there being a different manager leading the reds when they're good again, down the road. I kind of feel like David bell is in the same seat that some of our pitchers are in of the, just get me from a to B. Well, I told you more than a year ago that I thought what would happen with David bell is that yes, he did. would be the guy uh, until the reds, uh, window of competition, uh, window of competitiveness hit full force. And then David Bell was not going to be fired, but he's going to be promoted. He's going to become the assistant general manager. He's going to become the number two guy in Nick crawls front office. And then they're going to replace him with a big flashy name that the fans will love that can take these young guys that that manager probably has already been working with. Barry Larkin and just go ahead and take them on into this three or four year window of competitiveness that we all see coming. And it still kind of all lines up for me. The only wild card yet to be remain to be seen, Jeff, is if Barry Larkin wants that job or if yeah. he's content to be a broadcaster now, because I think he kind of digs just having to do half the season and not travel to road games and all that stuff. But if he still has aspirations of being a manager, that's when it happens. 2024, 2025, David Bell gets promoted and then Barry Larkin comes in. Yeah, no, I, I I think you're right in kind of how that's going to move just because I, there, there are certain things for me. And look, I know that you can nitpick different moves on different games specifically by a manager and then try to make some grandiose claim. It's little things here and there that David Bell does. Like the, 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 you can really start to stack these moves up, especially over this last series with the Yankees. I look firstly at Saturday's game and kind of how that one played out. And yes, I know that in this game, he wasn't there. And we'll talk about the ejections here in a little bit with our friends from lockdown Yankees. But when it comes to Alexis Diaz pitching the ninth inning, as opposed to anyone else, and, and, and don't get me wrong, Barry Larkin made the case on the broadcast of, well, you know, he's trying to get his guys to, you know, we're going for it here in the ninth inning. We're going to go for that win in the bottom of the ninth. And here we go. Let's lay it out strategically, objectively, maybe even, dare I say, analytically, which is something David Bell likes to do. Uh, Alexis Diaz was facing the bottom third of the Yankees order. The Reds, in the bottom half of the ninth, had their bottom third of the order due up. What is most likely to happen in this scenario? Alexis Diaz is probably going to dominate the bottom third of the Yankees order, and the Reds probably won't score. Guess what? That's exactly what happened. And I'm not saying that with hindsight. I said that whenever he made the decision, I'm like, yes, this is what's going to happen. So then Ian Jabot has to pitch the 10th against the best hitters in the lineup. What happens? Aaron judge rips him a new one. That's what happens. That's what was going to happen the whole time. So I don't know why you didn't flip that there. And I, I felt like that was kind of a weird thing. And then I just, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's things like that. That is a microcosm. He does that stuff all the time. 
So same, I, I agree with you 100%. That's how I would have played it as well. I would have pitched Jabot in the ninth and saved Diaz for the 10th. Uh, kind of trying to look ahead and see that the last three Reds hitters weren't going to do much. Uh, I had another uh, example and it wasn't so much, listen, David Bell was out of the game already yesterday when it came down to the bottom of the ninth inning. But I don't believe for a minute with today's technology in this day and age that, you know, the manager being ejected isn't calling Is the shot. umpire so, monitoring text messages? There's, no. there's not. And there can someone can run up and down the tunnel. It's not that hard. Um, I feel like bottom of the ninth inning, chance to tie the game. A matter of fact, the go-ahead run would, was at the plate. And you choose to let Will Benson and his 0.45 batting average, yeah. 0.045 batting average, you choose to let him hit versus using Tyler Stevenson, who's on the bench and available. <laughs> I don't get it. It makes no sense to me how no. you don't hit Tyler Stevenson in that situation. And, and I know Tyler Stevenson has struggled recently. He's not been a sure thing. That could have been a nice little spot there, right? That could have been a nice little confidence booster. Like you're the guy, you're you're our guy that we want in this situation. And I've taken this L already. So for folks who haven't heard me take this L, I was totally wrong about Will Benson. I don't know what's going on with him. It seems like he steps into the batter's box and he's a deer in headlights. He just doesn't know what's going on there. So I really think that makes no sense for me either. It's like, yeah, if you're, if you're giving Tyler Stevenson a day off to really think about things, then are you really going to do that at the detriment of the rest of the team? So that's where I, I, I wonder with this about David Bell. And you know what? Speaking about management, Steve, and I, I mentioned this at the top of this segment, is Nick Crawl okay? Like I, I, we've given him lots of credit. All right. We've, we've given him lots of credit for getting the prospects and getting the talent and getting the young guys who are going to build the future of this team. Now comes the part where he has to build the present. And throughout this off season, we said, you know, we kind of need some pitching depth here. We kind of need some help. Well, what's he done over the last couple of days? He signed pitching help. And Steve, if you know any of these three guys, I know one of them, but if you know any of these three guys, raise your hand. Because steady Teddy Stankavich, Ryan Meisinger, and Alec Mills, that's the Alec one Mills. guy that I know. Yeah, that's um, who we yeah because he pitched for Former the Cubs. Cub. Um, yep. But uh, those are the three guys that he added on minor league deals. If you want pitching depth, you probably should have done that in January, not in May. Well, yeah, if you were trying to win, the Reds weren't trying to win. The yeah. Reds were, as you were told by yep. their owner and the owner's SOB son of Bob Phil Castellini you knew the Reds were out of contention on opening day he told you so they weren't going to spend the money required to sign pitchers in the offseason because those were pitchers that were going to command more than league minimum or sign minor league deals the guys they're getting now are willing to sign minor league deals because they're just trying to get back in baseball and looking for one more opportunity the guys they're signing now will play for league minimum because they're just looking for a chance to get some film and show other teams this coming offseason that they still have something to contribute those are the guys they're signing because they're not trying to win management is not trying to win Phil Castellini is not trying to win the plan is not to win today the plan is to win in 2024 25 26 27 they're just trying to get through this season develop some more of the young guys get everybody kind of in a position to hit the ground running next year does that suck right now for us the guys that want them to win every time they come on the tv or every time we're at the ballpark yes it stinks for us right now but this version of the reds right now is better than last year's version of the reds i'm having more fun this year watching the reds than i had 
that at all watching the Reds last season. So I'm going to take that progress. I'm going to take that improvement and I'm going to see it for what it is. The stepping stone to the time where we seriously compete. And right now I'm going to enjoy the wins we get. I'm going to enjoy watching the youth develop that we get to see. I'm going to bag on Nick Crawl for not bringing up CES and Ellie De La Cruz and the rest of the guys and getting that process moving. Yeah. But I'm going to just try and enjoy what we got right now. And I'm not going to worry about these signings because they're not going to spend any money because they're not trying to win. That That's fair. I, I just, I, I think the only thing for me and, and, I mean, obviously, this is a worry that will not be sufficed until we get to this offseason and we start seeing it. But it's things like this that make me worry a little bit that they're going to make the moves they need to make when they need to make them over the next couple of years. And, and, and maybe that's unfair to say in May 2023 as opposed to December, January, February uh, or December 2023 and then January, February 2024. But I, I look at this and I, I'm a little bit concerned. I, I think there's going to be a restructuring. And like you said, I do kind of agree with how you think it's going to go down. There's going to be a restructuring of this team's management when the Reds are good again. Yeah, I, I, I think so, Jeff. But listen, speaking of some good things, let's get back to some good. Just how good was Hunter Green on Sunday? I think he was better than a lot of people are giving him credit for. Uh, we're going to get, uh, we're going to put our opinions out there, but we're also going to get the opposing perspective as we're joined by the hosts of Locked on Yankees for the final segment coming up right after this. Uh, before we get to that, though, I want to talk about one of the sponsors of today's podcast, and that is So Rare. So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 Major League Baseball teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, SoRare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. SoRare MLB Game Weeks happen twice weekly and span three to four day cycles. At the end of the game week, SoRare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include SoRare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and even VIP experiences like meeting Major League Baseball stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. Head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's SoRare spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com slash LockedOn to draft your team of free player cards today. You can set your lineup and start competing to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. The Reds have the hated evil Empire Cardinals coming into town with the first pitch at 6.40 p.m. tonight, Eastern Time. The Reds were 7-12 and against the Cardinals last year. Uh, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. Uh, you can also follow the show on all podcasting platforms, including YouTube. Also, make sure you are following us on Twitter to talk baseball with us between shows. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That is Jeff with three Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. All right, Jeff, I'm excited about this segment because coming up, we are going to sit down with the hosts of Locked on Yankees with uh, Stephen Stacey. Well, um, last year we were a lot happier after the Reds faced the Yankees. So, uh, Stace, um, I guess you get to take the victory lap this year. <laughs> you know, I thought it was going to be more obnoxious, but 
you know, whatever. <laughs> it feels like punching down a little bit. Yeah, it does. It feels yeah. like I'm punching down. Right? <laughs> we have it coming. I, I deserve everything she throws at me because I gave her such a hard time. Last Actually, year. you know what? That's true, Stephen. That's true. <laughs> you were relentless. It was awful. And, she was uh, going to let well enough be. And, and then you, you reopen that. Oh, I, oh, I tell you what. This, uh, this series, though, I mean, despite being a sweep, had plenty of interesting things to it. And I think we got to start first and foremost with um the thin skin if i can put it lightly of the umpires like good lord if aaron boone or david bell had any problems whatsoever they better not tell the umpiring crew because they weren't long for the game if they did i think aaron boone set an mlb record for being ejected like the earliest time ever at 11 52 a.m on sunday <laughs> i mean that's fair honestly that they're there might be some actual data to back that up. I'm not going to lie. Jeff, let's start with the, let's, let's go all the way back to the first game of the series and the first David Bell ejection. Cause I would love to hear <laughs> these guys uh, take on this because I think David Bell was right. You know, the rule is very clear. If a substance is found on a pitcher's hand, the pitcher is supposed to be ejected. And you guys saw that less than a week ago. Correct. The a pitcher being ejected for substance. It was like Monday, it. wasn't it? Right. <laughs> So, so I completely understand David Bell being worked up in that minute that he was instead, you know, the pitcher was instead allowed go to go wash his hand versus being tossed. So from, from your guys's perspective, I mean, I know it, great. It worked out for you. Your guy got to stay in the game, but David Bell was right. Correct. Let me, let me jump in here. Stacy. we just had this conversation on our show. I'm going to challenge your assertion that the rule is pretty cut and dry. Is it because look at how managers are reacting to letting players wash their hands. I don't think MLB has made it clear to the teams what the rule is right now, because sometimes they can wash their hands or sometimes they can't like there needs to be rules and set guidelines for this stuff. And I honestly think there isn't, I think they're kind of just, I think they probably told the umpires in the last week of spring training, oh, yeah, you can let them wash your hand, too, if you, like, want. And then that's now here we are in May. It's not because the rule reads they're subject to ejection. Uh, you're, it doesn't say they're subject to bath time. So for me, I feel like I understand why David Bell was worked up. But I can also sure. I can also see being, you know, if it had been roles reversed and they were doing this to say Hunter Green, I could also see how you could interpret the rule that says they're subject to ejection, but they're not required to be ejected. It doesn't say that either. So I think I hear your point in that if there are other options, they need to be spelled out yeah. versus the, a bunch of a bunch of guys that already get too much camera time and impact the game too much and the umpires being able to just wing it. I have a problem with the wing it. Well, and, and sure. To give us a Reds, a Reds thought on this too, though, I don't know if Domingo Herman hadn't been ejected from the game less than a week before this, if this would have been as big a deal. Yeah. Like, I, th I think there was a thought amongst Reds country, and, and Reds Twitter went nuclear whenever this went down. And <laughs> I even said after the game, I'm like, my big takeaway is Clark Schmidt should have been ejected. But um, I, I think that if Domingo Roman hadn't been ejected, like, I think we all would have been like, oh, yeah, that's right. They do, like, inspect players for this stuff. And, yeah, sure, whatever. I guess they give them a chance to go wash their hands. But it was just the fact that it was the same team in the same week and doing all this. It, it, it added a little bit of something to it. I don't know. It was kind of weird for me in that regard. 
That's understandable. I get that because, you know, we were just sitting there. I was sitting there on Friday going again. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, I mean, Herman had it the first time and then they let him get away with it. Yeah. And then the whole fiasco happened again. And yeah. then he did it again. And then they're like, all right, bro. Like they were literally said that it was like the stickiest hand they've ever felt. I was like, all right. Just, yeah, it had trouble had trouble removing his fingers from the hand, right? That's what he said. Yeah. Yeah, it was like Little Giants. Do you remember that movie? Where his like <laughs> hands are stuck to his chest. Like yes. I think that's where we're getting at. No, that's that's perfect. Casey, can you can you walk us through the Aaron Boone ejection? Because I'm curious uh, how you feel about how that whole situation played out. Uh, Boone ultimately gets ejected. Uh, just share your thoughts with that whole scenario. Well, Jonathan India shouldn't have scored and you guys shouldn't have had a run. He should have been a third. Um, I think that's what the argument was. It wasn't the fair foul thing. It was the how to, because I guess it's a judgment call by the umps. Like they have to try and figure out what's going on with the bases and stuff. Um, I think that's what he was freaking out about. But I feel like both Boone and Bell, because he got run out of the game again on Sunday, um, they really got their money's worth this weekend. Bell more than Boone, surprisingly, but Boone had his money's worth in uh, Toronto last week too. So they're just really neck and neck with uh, ejections this season. Yeah. I'm telling you. And I, I don't know. My theory is that Aaron Boone found out about the brunch that was just down the street at Hangover Easy up in Clifton. Really awesome. Still had plenty of time to go take advantage of that. Um, but, and an off day no. on Monday. So he was like, well, I don't got to jump on a flight real quick. Like, I can hang out exactly. for Exactly. And he <laughs> talked about how much he misses Cincinnati. So, you know, he wanted to go see the town. But I, I mean, for me as well, like kind of looking at the David Bell ejections, I'll be curious what you guys thought about this. I, I kind of thought that both of them came at times where it was just like, I need to go do something because right now everything else that I'm doing is not working. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh... – <laughs> I didn't even know what the hell Bell was getting upset about. And then they showed the replay and I, I still couldn't believe that he got so pissy, but I think it was just a culmination of the weekend and they were losing again and that yeah. kind of a thing. So, so there was that, but there's where the thin skin comment about the umpires comes in. Cause if you watch Bell's second ejection, he was pretty calm when he came out of the dugout. Like, he, Oh, right. It was after they threw him out. He, got crazy. he says, why are you throwing me out? That was like, you could read the bells. They'd be like, why are you throwing me out? What's going on? And then snap, he lost his mind. And, and I think, yeah, got his money's worth is, is a good, is a good, uh, good way to describe that. In fact, uh, cowboy Jeff Brantley on the radio broadcast said it's the maddest he's ever seen David bell. Like, I mean, Clint Hurdle wasn't, he, he wasn't mad at Clint Hurdle. I don't know. Um, real quick too. <laughs> he was, um, curious about this because watching this series i mean obviously aaron judge just stood out to me but also um cordero out of the bullpen um jimmy cordero right um mm -hmm. dude just pitched absolutely phenomenal like just from my perspective as you guys watched the reds what stood out the most to you hunter green <laughs> hunter green always stands up right like it's always yeah. him it's i mean we're not preaching anything that you don't already know it's just command right like the stuff is right. clearly there it's just can he figure out where it's going to go yeah i love watching a pitch like i think at the beginning of the season i called it like the closest thing to must watch tv it's it's really it's he's getting there he's just got to figure out where it's going mm -hmm. i wish it's, people it's would hear you guys say that because we've got a lot of people in red's country that feel like today was a bad start from him 
It makes no and, sense to me, but and yes. it just we don't we don't understand. But there's a lot of people that feel that way, and you know I think they fail to see just how high his floor is and how much farther he has to go for his ceiling. He's gonna be something really special, and they I think people forget oh, that only his second year in the league. Yeah, and, so and coming back around to the Aaron Judge thing, uh, is there a better power hitter in baseball right now than what Aaron Judge has done since his return from the hip injury? Might be a guy on the West Coast. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, what he has done and what how he's turned this team back in front, like since he came back, like it's night and day. Like we talk a lot about how the unsung hero of this team right now is Anthony Rizzo, uh, but it's definitely can't be overstated how important Aaron Judge is to this lineup, like on a daily basis. It's it's extremely important. We saw it in Toronto, and then we just saw it in Cincinnati. So, talk about a dude that's still. Just has it out for the Reds. Anthony Rizzo continues to dominate. Ugh. I can't stand that guy. But yeah, no, Aaron Judge, every bit the part of somebody who should be in every MVP conversation for the rest of his career. But um, that 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 was a series that I, I think we're all glad is over in Cincinnati. And uh, we're, we're moving on. We're moving on to stupid St. Louis and the stupid Cardinals. Who were, who, were, who were coming back. Everyone thought that they were down. Everyone thought at one point when they only had 10 wins, oh, this is going to be the first time in 100 years that the Cardinals are this bad. And here they are coming back. <laughs> I didn't want to see that comeback. Anyway. <laughs> All right. That was a fun conversation. It's always good to get the other team's perspective, Jeff. And, you know, we gave Stacy a lot of crap last year when the Reds went into the Bronx and, and, and did what they did. So, you know, she does deserve to have some of the, the bragging <laughs> yeah. and voting rights. But, uh, you know, this she was wanted a good to get back. She was, she was like, no, we're doing this. We're doing this. And yeah, we Absolutely. did. But that's probably a good place to go ahead and wrap it up for today. Absolutely. Before we do, make sure uh, to remember that you can check out the Reds Hometown Broadcast on SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Reds. But that'll do it for us this edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out uh, and, and making us your first listen every day. Every day is coming up on tomorrow's show. What do we make of the freaking Cardinals? We're going to get into that on tomorrow's Locked on Reds. But for now, thank you so much for checking us out. Make sure that you follow us on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Click that bell to get notified whenever we uh, have new content for you because we're going to be with you every step of the way. Why, Steve? Because we are going to keep you locked on Reds every single day. Freaking uh, Cardinals. Cardinals. Freaking Cardinals. <laughs>